This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. And on this week's podcast, here's to you, Mr. Robinson, and will it be a case of the fantastic Mr. Fox for Dundee United? Indeed, welcome to this week's show. My name's Alan Temple and I am in the big chair in the absence of George Cran, who is enjoying a well-earned break. Uh, indeed, without uh, Graham Finnan, we are delving into our squad depth. It's a, it's a depth that Dundee and Dundee United could only dream of. For the second consecutive week alongside me, we've got Scott Lorimer. Hi, Scott. Hello, how are you doing? And making his Twa Teams debut, it's Craig Cairns. How are you, Craig? I'm good. Long, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Absolutely. Although it should be said that you're something of a podcast veteran, so we've got very high expectations for for yourself this week. You think you can live up to those? I'm not the best under pressure, so we'll see. Super. Well, let's just throw you straight under the bus, shall we? You can be the first to, to discuss Dundee's fortunes. We're going to start with Dundee this week because honestly. As the Dundee United reporter, uh, I think I've got Dundee United fatigue with all the drama and excitement that there's been in recent weeks. So um, in lieu of a managerial appointment or even basically a shot on target to talk about from Dundee United, let's start with Dundee this week. So it was a 3-0 win over Queen's Park, an absolute screamer from Zach Robinson uh, and amongst those goals. But first of all, Owen Coyle was very salty afterwards about the nature of the result. Did it flatter Dundee, or was this a, ultimately quite a, a deserved one, do you reckon, Craig? Um, I, I can see why he is maybe a little bit annoyed that his team hasn't taken advantage when they have been on top in the match, but I, I don't think you can argue with the result. Dundee took chances and Queen's Park didn't. I think that was the, the difference in the end. Queen's Park have made a very good start to the season, and uh, I think that makes it a much more impressive result for Dundee, especially with them being a little bit hot and cold recently. But yeah, I think it's it's probably more annoyed at his own team's failings rather than any real injustice in the match. It's something we should probably have come to, if not expect, certainly hope from the squad that Dundee has assembled that whether or not they dominate games or not, they should be clinical because, as we've said a couple of times on this podcast, they do have the most talented squad in the division and should be taking their chances and, I don't want to say grinding out because it was a 3-0 win, but winning games that could have, at other points in the match, gone gone either way. But let's talk about that Robinson goal, Scott. It's um, an, an absolute screamer and he said he's got it um, in his locker. And just how much good will that do him? Because all the talk has been about Dundee need a striker, Dundee want a striker. So for, for him to do that must be a bit of weight off his shoulder, you would imagine, to make a real impact. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I didn't see the goal live. I watched it. I like everyone, uh, countless replays of the, the highlights because it was well worth it. I was actually at Gayfield and I saw the tweet coming through, like, the big wow from Dundee and uh, thinking, oh, you know, it'll be, be an all right goal. <laughs> but then when you watch it back, you're like, oh, wow, that is actually some strike. Um, but as you say, I mean, this he, he's starting to come into form. Three goals in two games, I think it is. Um, just as Dundee are desperately needing for the, their strikers to be on, on their game, especially with Zach Rudden. Might, we might touch on that later on. Uh, and up uh, doubtful. I mean, yeah, that would have done the the world of good for him. And then he, as he said in the, the post-match uh, chat with George, he's, 
he's got plenty more of that in his locker so hopefully we will uh, see some more of that soon he is such an interesting player because you look at a goal like that and he's putting together the initial touch the physicality to surge forward the technique to hit that shot and it's one of those Craig where you go yes that's an exciting thing to see but can he put that all together on a consistent basis? If he can put those attributes together on a consistent basis, then he looks a, a hell of a player. Yeah, and and they kind of need it more than ever now. As uh, Scott's alluded to there, we don't know what the extent of Rudden's injury has been. There's been sort of mixed messages on that this week. Um, and there was already there were already short numbers before that. Um, I think it's a bit unfortunate, the timing of Rudden's injury, uh, not just because of the the, the 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 few numbers they have in that area, but just him personally, I, yeah, he joined in January. Managerial change, which was a disaster. There's been another managerial change, and then he was starting to get a bit of criticism a couple of weeks ago. And I was thinking, that's a, that's a bit harsh. He's still quite a young forward. He's still raw in some ways. But the guy's clearly got some talent, and he will he will be a, a goal scorer for a few clubs across his career. I, I have no doubt about that. The guy has got some talent, and. It's, it is really unfortunate that when he hits a bit of form, he just he takes a, he takes an injury, and I hope it, I hope he's not out too long for his own sake. Yes, yeah, two goals in his last three games for Rudden, so although it's been slightly under the radar, and, and as Craig says, he has taken a, a little bit of criticism. You wouldn't describe it as a purple patch necessarily, but he was showing that he knew the way to goals, and at, at spells during games, he was showing that he does have that. Uh, that that strength, that pace, the ability to on occasion hold it up, although that's something that I think we know he needs to work on. But uh, Scott, you've been uh, all over the the Dundee beat this week with with George, um, presumably on on the beach somewhere. So, uh, what what is the latest on on Zach Rudden? Because it strikes me that is is Gary Boyer genuinely in the dark, or is he playing coy ahead of Friday night's game? Um, it's it's a tough one to say. I mean, he when I spoke to him on Monday. Uh, to get kind of a, an initial update on on his, the situation, uh, he was still going on about the tackle and how it was from behind from Eze and how he was on a yellow card. So he was clearly still angry at that. And at that point, he said that his knee had still been swollen, so they hadn't been able to properly assess it. Fast forward to yesterday, and the situation looks a bit more rosy, where Rudden's actually able to to walk and and do some light training. So he's going to give him till the very final moment to see but you know he might just play in his uh playing his, his card close to his chest and might see him for the last half hour i don't know it might come too soon saturday oh, sorry friday night but um we'll just have to wait and see but thankfully it doesn't seem to be as serious as what um what they initially feared anyway yeah absolutely there seem to be a few uh scares when the, the injuries first came through that it could be something a bit more serious so uh, you know as, as Craig alludes to that that would have been a major blow for him so so mm -hmm. hopefully Zach's back fairly quickly to to contribute to what has been Dundee's best league start to a season in eight years I read this week now <laughs> is that because they've started really well or have Dundee just had a heck of an eight years <laughs> I, I, they've, well, they've been they've just been up and down a lot haven't they so <laughs> I think that that kind of speaks to at least some of it and then the last time they were promoted Hearts were in the league and they, they lost the Absolutely. opening game of the season in which Hearts put all their energy into and then barely any energy into anything else for the first quarter of that season. <laughs> so um so so yeah, I think um I think that probably explains some of it, the fact that they've been relegated a few times, promoted and things like that. Yeah. I don't think it's 
I don't think it necessarily means that they've been that bad for season upon season. It's been a, a strange one as well because uh, although that start does sound spectacular, I guess it has even been a bit of an up and down start to this season, sitting on 10 points, four points off top. It's, it's a strange one because the hope was perhaps that Dundee would do, like Craig's touching on hearts, perhaps do a hearts and start really, really well and run away with it. But that doesn't look possible. Um, but at the same time, would it be fair to say they've, they've maintained some semblance of momentum? Certainly the last couple of results would suggest that, that, that something's been built. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the two defeats have come against currently sit the top two in the league. Um, I've seen both of the teams in the flesh. and I mean, Partick have kind of built on last season, so they've got the, the championship experience within them. Dundee are maybe still kind of gelling a bit together. So I think that it will come eventually. They will start putting a, a solid run uh, of of results and performances in there. And I think as well, earlier this week, um, Gary Boyer was giving some praise to the, the young players as well, specifically Harry Sharp on Saturday. Um, he pulled off a number of unbelievable close-range instinctive saves, which absolutely kept Dundee in the game. So um, we've got a lot of young players that are coming through that are mm -hmm. absolute, absolutely... Um, you know, showing their worth to the team and, and keeping some of the more experienced boys out. Yeah, I mean, when you throw in someone like, you know, I mean, you could throw in someone like Lyle Cameron to that as well, you know, glimpses um, recently. That is certainly a, an exciting aspect of it. But perhaps, as you, you touch upon there, I mean, the not just the inclusion of Harry Sharp, but the continued faith in Harry Sharp when there's an experienced quality goalkeeper on the bench is a really interesting one and one of the, the most intriguing kind of subplots of, of this season for, for Dundee. I mean, Craig, just how much of a, um, a a positive step is that for young Harry Sharp that even with someone like Adam Legston's on the bench, they're still going with him and still saying, you know what, until you lose it, until you do something fundamentally wrong, you're my number one. Two other more experienced goalkeepers. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it speaks to just to kind of pick up from what Scott said there, I think overall, I think it feeds into, it looks like they're a club going in the right direction. If you take, I mean, you talk about, you gave their league form there, but if you take the, if you take the league cup form, mm -hmm. I think it's eight wins in 11 games or something along those lines, from what he inherited, that's pretty good. He's not added a lot to the team. He's brought on some of the players that were there. Some of those or the most the standouts of those have been the youngsters, the faith that he's put in the youngsters, and I think, I think that these defeats are explainable by a manager that's just in the door and still putting his stamp on the team. I mean, it was documented that they didn't quite get what they wanted from the transfer window, but there's lots of positive signs there from again what what he inherited, and I think some of these things are just teething problems from a from a new manager coming in. I mean, Tyler French came in, started well faded a little bit, and then he's moved into right back and got a performance out of him again. So as a manager still learning his squad, learning about his players, he's in a new league, all that kind of stuff. So if I was a Dundee fan, I'd be, I'd be pretty encouraged with what I've seen so far, even if they're not running away with the league yet like, um, like it was maybe expected. Yeah, and not only did they need to change the, the playing style and get results, but they also needed to change the mood around Dens Park, which is something that Scott, judging by the Dundee fans, Gary Boyer has absolutely succeeded in doing. There just seems to be an air of of positivity around the place at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Even after the game, when he, he comes on the pitch and, you know, 
waves to the fans and you know pumps a fist in the air. They're just little things that I think Dundee fans haven't seen in a while. <laughs> presumably because the results haven't gone their way, so they haven't had that. But, I mean, it's just little things where he's acknowledging the fans, um, getting pictures with young kids after the, the the game, stuff like that. It's just little details that he seems to be getting that he's... Uh, and by all accounts, the Blackburn fans on social media were saying, you know, he was he was like that, that he would park. He was a real fan's favourite. And you could see that at Dens Park. He's brought that up here. Absolutely. As we record this, it's Thursday morning and we've just had the Scotland under-21 squad dropped. Uh, quite a, a few interesting ones on on our patch. But uh, before we, we touch on the, the Dundee United interest a little bit later, there's um, really impactful Dundee interest there with Josh Mulligan getting a call-up, which um, feels like a, a real pat on the back following a, a fine start to not only this season, but... He was probably a silver lining for the tail end of last season with a couple of goals in Dundee's last two Premiership matches. So real sense of positivity, real sense of a, a reward for a player who's been a, just a, a dynamo in the centre of midfield for, for the Dark Blues. Uh, I mean, Craig, from, from somewhat uh, afar, if you like, uh, what have you made of, of Josh Mulligan's progress? And is he someone that, that stands out to you as, a, as someone that's got potential? Yeah, I was at uh, Dens Park covering matches a fair bit last season and from what I saw of Josh Mulligan both in matches and just from watching the just from following the the division he as you say there he was he was a silver lining I mean that's quite a baptism of fire and he has he has come through what is a really difficult spell for the club as his kind of introduction if you like to the team I think he had a couple of appearances the season before didn't he but um yeah, it's obviously it's put him, it stood him in good stead, and it, I mean this this under twenty one call up is, is thoroughly deserved, as you said, not just for how he has played this season, but for how well he was playing during adversity last season. Yeah, I'm kind of vaguely, you know, looking at these dates here, and and the two friendlies will against Northern Ireland, I should point out, on September 22nd and September 25th would, uh, in effect, look to rule them out of the um, the match against the New Saints and the SPFL Trust Trophy, is it called now? I mean, it'll always be the petrifact to me, but it's... Um, <laughs> it's uh, you would imagine, Scott, that there would be uh, no desire to to kind of pull Josh out of, of that squad in order to play in that competition? Would you, you think he would learn more from being part of that under-21s group and playing? I, I think he would be gutted to miss out on the new Saints trip, to be honest with you. No, um, <laughs> as, as would George. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Um, no, I think you're right. Um, getting that experience with the other, other boys from um, kind of around the country and just building up that kind of international level. I think he played couple of games previously in the qualifiers, I'm thinking right into saying, I think he got majority of the, the final game, um, so that will have stood him in good stead. But yeah, I think it might have been different if it was the championship, but given it's yeah. the, the SPFL Trust Trophy, I think Dundee will have more than enough depth to, to manage fine without him, to, to let him develop as a player. And Yeah, I think he, I mean, you don't want to put too much pressure on him, but from certainly from what the fans are seeing and um, what's been spoken about him, he could be the next uh, next big thing out of Dens Park. And I know some Dundee fans are are begging for a contract extension announcement, but the contract runs out next summer, so maybe a bit early for that yet. But I don't know. Uh, to be fair, and 
you know, accuse me of being the Dundee reporter trying to stoke drama across the road. But that's, you know, usually a time you would like to have a player tied up by then. Mm -hmm. And you would imagine that he will be uh, drawing some really admiring glances. So to completely surmise and completely make assumptions, surely there's tentative talks going on about that, Craig, you'd imagine it? Yeah, you'd hope so. You'd hope so for... uh yeah, for, for Dundee's sake, if they want to um, keep hold of him and then cash in on him at the at the best point, yes. But um, your your headlines won't be helping that, maybe. <laughs> Attracting a tr- interest from across the country. Speaking of uh, cliched headlines, if you believe in the kind of sods law element of uh, football, then this could be a tough Friday night at Cove Rangers for Dundee because there are all sorts of super subplots uh, Scott did a, a fine piece this week that outlined the amount of Dundee connections that are within that squad up at the Balmoral. Uh, namely, Jim McIntyre, always Mr. Popular at Dens Park um, after his uh, time at Dundee United as a player and time as Dundee as a manager. Also, Kyle Gurley, the, the goalkeeper that was formerly on the books of, of Dundee and um, defiant hero. Leighton McIntosh from that season so uh, fantastic little subplots there Scott and uh, speaking generally do you expect this to be a challenging trip for Dundee? Um, As well uh, McIntyre's got Tam Ritchie and Jimmy Boyle by his side so um, yeah there's lots to to go in there I'm sure Dundee fans will uh, welcome them or or give them their their greetings Uh, Yeah we can't can't see your inverted commas there Yeah (laughs) Um, th- I th- Cove showed a little bit of fight last week at uh, Hamilton, but you would think that Dundee should have more than enough to to see it through. However, it is on TV and their last TV performance didn't quite go to plan. Um, but having spoken to uh, Gary this week and a couple of the players, they've definitely spoken and worked on making sure that does not happen again. So uh, I th- I think it should be a fairly comfortable evening for, for Dundee. That air match seems to, the, the televised match you're referring to there, it does seem to have acted as something of a, of a wake-up call to, to Dundee, perhaps the, the two performances after that have been um, certainly a, a massive Im- improvement. So, I mean, it's so early to be discussing important weeks in the transfer, uh, sorry, in the, in the league race and, and that sort of thing but at the same time you do look at the fact that AR are playing Partick top of the table clash on Saturday so something has got to give at that point so Craig you would imagine that although as is always the case Gary Boyle will say we're not interested in anything else we're just focusing on ourselves there's got to be an element of Dundee being acutely aware that they can lay down a, a proper marker ahead of those sides um, playing up at Somerset Park. Yeah, and the interesting thing for me is more what if if they don't if they go on to lose this match air, um, how they respond to that because we still don't know whether this is a purple patch from air and whether they're going to regress to the mean for a bit or we don't know whether Lee Bullen's really struck on something and they're they're going to continue this and challenge for the for the rest of the season. It will be quite interesting to see how they do respond to uh, adversity when it inevitably comes because this all we know could be as flaky as the, as the rest of the teams in this in this league. So um, I I think not only this weekend but. The first time we see Air lose a match or lose a couple of matches, then how they respond to that is going to be quite interesting because 
I mean, their striker can't stop scoring at the moment. And as I say, they really seem to have struck upon a, a, a unit there after having a manager who's a, had a year to bed in. Fantastic. Well, after this short break, we will be crossing the road to see what's happening at managerless Dundee United. And the answer is largely not at all, certainly, uh, largely not much, uh, uh, certainly if the game at Far Park's anything to go by. Um, a nil-nil draw and one that, oh, uh, it's fair to say that Dundee United were delighted to escape from. Uh, Motherwell were the dominant force. They created um, a lot of chances. I know not everyone's into their stats, but uh, expected goals of 3.28 for Motherwell. Um to say that it's unusual for a team not to score at least once from that is 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 quite something. So, um, but on the bright side for Dundee United, it's a maiden clean sheet domestically for them this season. Um, progress in terms of being hard to beat and a really good afternoon for Carl Johan Eriksson between the sticks. And I must say I was delighted for him because um, as much as you need to analyse, you need to report, it's never joyous criticising a, a goalkeeper who's, you know, early stages of his career and is probably hurting more than anyone after shipping, um, as he put it, um, <laughs> pretty much as many goals in three games as he did for the entirety of last season with Mjolby. So, I mean, uh, first of all, Craig, in terms of uh, Eriksson's progress, I mean, how important is that going to be for him? Yeah, it's, it's, it's so crucial for Dundee United's season as well. I know all too well about how um, not having the goalkeeper and department sorted can be a one-way street to relegation. And a few weeks ago, I was really fearing that for, for Dundee United. It can be the difference because it just the confidence that or the lack of confidence that that then gives your defence and the midfield in front of them, I think it's, it's, it's so, so crucial. And for Dundee United to have two goalkeepers that they couldn't trust and not really see a way out, it's so, so crucial that they've had a, a couple of clean sheets uh, back to back. And not only that, but he personally has had that boost of a, of a penalty save as well. And it was, it, was a, it was a very good save as well. It wasn't just, I heard someone say that it was a good height for the keeper. I, I think that may be true, but I, I still think it was a very good save for when when you look at the odds are always stacked against the goalkeeper, I think, it, and, the, and the the situation that Dundee United are in, the way that match went, I think it was a very, very good save. Yeah, and it was it was interesting to, to watch um, Eriksson's performance as well because you, you got a sense of why Dundee United signed him, to put it frankly. You know, this, this strange perception that because he didn't play for so long after joining in January and then endured a tough start to things, He's immediately written off, but at the same time, this guy can't be a dud. He was the Swedish goalkeeper keeper of the year last season. So, uh, and that's a that's a good league, and it's a good European league. So, there isn't quite the same teething problems as, for, as perhaps you would expect from a, a Mark Berrigetti coming over from the Australian league, where in terms of climate, in terms of the pace of the game, it is so so very vastly different. But you could see from that performance against Motherwell, really good shot stopper, fast off his line, sharp across goal, you know, very, very good feet, you know, for a, a goalkeeper because he is maybe that little bit, couple of inches smaller than a lot of goalkeepers in Scotland. So you definitely saw the qualities that he's got. There will be an element of teething though. 
Um, however, because he's still, you can tell that he doesn't enjoy the crowding in the box. He doesn't enjoy the the physical uh, aspect of things as much as as anyone. So that will still remain a test going forward. But I have to say, it was it was good to see him. Um, have a bit of a, a success of, a, of an afternoon because you never like to see a goalkeeper struggling because it's a it's a tough position and and they are they are all human but uh, speaking more generally of course the result was was important and another Philip for uh, Liam Fox who's now played two unbeaten one clean sheet one two one one at Livingston that's taken them to the last eight of the Premier Sports yeah, Cup. I said back-to-back clean sheets. I got that wrong. I forgot about that uh, late. The, I'm blaming the poor Premier Sports coverage. <laughs> Did that drop off at that point? <laughs> to be fair, the, uh, judging by the internet problems you've been telling us about, I'm amazed you got any sort of stream for it. <laughs> no, I just mean them not providing <laughs> highlights of certain matches and things like that. No, it's, it's, so it's been, a, it's been a positive impact from Liam Fox. He's the first to admit that the team hasn't been its most entertaining. It hasn't been its most... Uh, attacking or, or thrilling but at the same time if he then beats Hibs um, and makes it you know three games unbeaten couple of wins climbing off the table clearly getting clearly getting a response from the players as we would provably be the case if they went on Saturday he then surely has to become a, a contender for the top job Scott yeah I mean I saw a few United fans complain after uh, Saturday's result that uh, okay maybe the performance as you say wasn't the best but you know it's still two very positive results off the back of uh, a handful of unspeakable results Mm -hmm. so I think um, in general there's a lot more to be positive about regardless of what's going on with the players and the the whole Jack Ross situation I think that uh, Liam Fox yeah surely has to be the number one, one contender I mean for me it's really it's his to lose he knows all the players, he's worked with them, he's been at United for a while. Given Tam Coates was given a, a chance and, and flourished. I mean, personally, it's it's a no-brainer really to give him another go at it. And probably most importantly, it's, <laughs> to be frank about it, it's the cheapest option. Um, and yeah. it, it looks probably the best option rather than having another gamble at uh, someone... Uh, someone from elsewhere well yeah it would be foolish for us to ignore the fact that it has been an exceptionally expensive summer for Dundee United that's not it's not running about with our hair on fire or exaggerating that's just factually there will be a lot of outgoings that the club did not expect to have to countenance and there's only so much so many checks that Mark Ogren will sign and you can you can understand that and but whether that would necessarily rule out external candidates um, it's my understanding that's not necessarily the case I think Mm -hmm. the, the club are at the moment scouring through the applicants that process of whittling down to three or four has been ongoing this week and I would expect things to accelerate um, next week I would fully expect Liam Fox to have the Hibernian game um, but after that we'll then see how things uh, kick on in terms of the the trip to Ibrox um, but there will be considerations for other candidates but I think Liam Fox I mean Scott touches on the reaction there it's an, it's an interesting one because I think there's always this sense of an assistant perhaps being tainted by the failures of the manager that's been sacked. But I think Fox should be a, perhaps a, an exception to that rule because he preceded Jack Ross's arrival. He isn't a Jack Ross man. He wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm sure he absolutely, in fact, I know he absolutely supported Jack on everything that he, he tried to do. But at the same time, he wasn't necessarily wedded to every idea or philosophy that, that Jack Ross had. 
Liam Fox was part of a you know wasn't always the most entertaining, but fundamentally a very successful uh, Dundee United team under Tam Courts. So as much as you might want to say, oh, well, he was part of the Jack Ross failure, by the same token, you then also have to say, well, he was part of the Tam Court's success. So if he can recapture some of that, then he does have a, a major tick in terms of being considered for the for the top job. And, and I mean, Craig, the other aspect of it was would be that it would also be a step back towards that um, kind of a more traditional head coach model, which one could surmise from how well Tam Courts did and how badly Jack Ross did is perhaps a model that suits Dundee United a little bit better right now. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think um, not only for the reasons that you guys have brought up, but um, the fact that not that long ago they had a similar appointment which worked well for them. And I would add to what you've said there about Liam Fox, even going back further, he was part of success at Livingston as well. Mm -hmm. He comes in the door and not long after that, and I'm not saying it's all down to him or anything, but I mean, it clearly won't be, but he was part of that coaching team where they went 14 matches unbeaten and went to uh, Betfred, was it at the time? Premier yeah. Sports semi-final, whatever it was, League Cup semi-final. Really hoping it wasn't his idea to play Mar uh, Marvin Bartlett right wing in that game. Oh wait, was that the final? Did they make it to the final? Yeah, they did. They lost to Johnson in the final. Yeah. They played. Uh, I I don't know. If that was that. if that was if that was Liam Fox's idea, then I would retract everything. Yeah, exactly. You need to get to the bottom of that the next time the, you're in a press conference. But so so yeah, I mean, I think um, Liam Fox's coaching credentials are are not in doubt, um, and lots of and not just from. What we can see, the successes and the, the 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 actual things that we can see, but a lot of people in the game seem to think he's got something and seem to give him chances. He was given the managerial job at Cowdenbeath, but that was a bit of a that was very early in his career and it was um, management career and it's a bit of a poison chalice at the, the time. The club was spiraling. I think we've yeah. seen that in hindsight. And it was a weird, it was like he was on loan from Hearts, kind yeah. of. It was It was a kind of weird uh, move for him and it didn't really work. But that's the only management experience that he's had. So we, and you wouldn't want to have that as any kind of evidence whether he'd be any good uh, now. So for me, the his coaching credentials are, are just not in doubt. It looks like a, a structure that they have had success with in the recent past. And he, yeah, I don't know. He seems to be more of a more of a players manager or a players head coach than mm. Tam Courts. I'd say Tam Courts. I think um, clearly was a was a very good manager. He had he had tactical game plans that worked at Celtic Park and ended Rangers' um, unbeaten streak and and yep. all that kind of thing. But he he's I don't know. He he sort of had it's like he overcomplicated language when he unnecessarily when he spoke, whereas. Liam Fox, you feel, would maybe have a a, a similar coaching style and uh, be very good with player. Uh, sorry, and be, on top of that, be very good with uh, players as well. I mean, they still seem to call him Foxy and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think it looks like he would fit and tick a lot of boxes. Um, but a lot of it comes down to the results. You, you mentioned about him um, being quite defensive, but I think he kind of had to do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just totally. had to go in and like we have to get basics first and sort out the defence first. Stop, stop leaking goals. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In terms of a bit of 
housekeeping, if you like. Adam Askar's also left the club, left the coaching staff. Uh, Dave Bowman's been on the training field this week, which is a, a blast from the past. And if you're hoping to get some fear factor to go alongside that um, that camaraderie they've got with Liam Fox, then Dave Bowman's probably your man. Um, it's, it's the notion of him and Duncan Ferguson being together on the training front is, a, is an interesting one, but seems unlikely. But in terms of Adam Askar's legacy, kind of a it was always a complicated one for, for Adam in the sense that he couldn't get away from the fact that his dad was sporting director and it became, you know, divisive, if you like, among some supporters. But by all accounts, he seems to be well-liked um, as as a coach, reasonably rated amongst his peers. I mean, Scott, do you think almost the, the best thing for Adam is now that he can kind of get away from the publicity and, and strike out on his own? Yeah, I think so. As you touched on, from the outside... Particularly among some fans, I'd noticed on social media the his departure was uh, seen as a positive. But you know, you don't in in training day to day, you don't see that connection he has with the players. And as you say, I think he he was a really popular guy, and he does seem to be a an up and coming young coach. But yeah, I don't think you'd ever be able to shrug off the kind of the family ties with his dad, uh, kind of. Holding the purse strings, is that be fair to say? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he goes off to next. I don't know if, if there's been any hints as to where he might might uh, get a role. But. Certainly nothing that I would be confident enough to commit to print, but I, I wouldn't be stunned if he ended up working with Andy Goldie down at Swansea. Um, Andy Goldie's the man that, that headhunted him for... For Dundee United, so if he's been allowed to assemble a team that he trusts down there, then I could imagine Adam getting in there. But what do you think of the timing of it, Alan? I think the timing is interesting. I think it's perhaps. I know Adam has never, you know, we I did an interview with him back in the in the summer, and he's never asked for a lot of this publicity. Genuinely, as a young coach who's done his licenses long before he was uh, you know started his licenses long before he was in the door at Dundee United had his aspirations to be a coach and the only thing he's done wrong is accept the jobs and you know whether people believe it or not the, he says he was offered the Dundee United academy role um, by Andy Goldie and if anything his dad being there made it more difficult you know rather than greasing the wheels and then he stepped up to the senior side and again uh, the message is that that was Tam Coates' decision. He wanted to take someone with him that he knew and he trusted, and then they would supplement that with with Liam Fox. So all the while, um, he's never asked for a lot of the attention that comes his way. He's made it clear he didn't want the manager's job, yet he was still um, quoted at 10 to 1 by the bookmakers. And it all, I think it all becomes quite difficult for him. And it doesn't surprise me that he was perhaps amenable to the idea of walking away. There is, he's 28 years old. You know, we think about coaches as these experienced, wizened old heads who aren't affected by anything. He's 28 years old. So there probably comes a point where he thinks, you know what, enough. I'll, I'll go elsewhere and, and see what we can do. Um, because, yeah, it's, I mean, anyone listening, just put yourself in his shoes, whether you like Tony Askar, whether, you know, he is not Tony Askar. He's his own man. And I think it's been a, a tough period. I think there's also an element of, in terms of the optics from Dundee United's perspective, I think they will be acutely aware that it will maybe serve as a 
conciliatory gesture for some disgruntled supporters and a feeling that regardless of who comes in next, there isn't going to be this perceived oversight, rightly or wrongly, with with Adam being there. So I think it serves two purposes and the timing is probably no coincidence in that regard. So um, I think it will work out for, for all parties and I, I certainly do wish Adam all the best because, as I say, you know, Tony's such a divisive figure, but Adam Askar has done very little to deserve being a divisive figure other than accepting jobs that he thought he could do. So, um, yeah, really interesting to see where he crops up next. Really interesting to see his progress. And, you know, now is when we'll find out whether or not he's a good coach because as, as everyone, you know, everyone seems to think he's just been promoted way above his skill level just because of, of Tony Askar. The fact is, nobody knows. Nobody's been on the training ground with them. So um, now the the proof will be in the pudding, and we'll we'll kind of we'll see we'll see how how he gets on. But kind of best of luck to him. It's certainly been a baptism of fire the last few years at Dundee United. Speaking of which, um, he says seamlessly linking Mark Berigiti out for a few weeks. We discussed the, the goalkeeping situation a little bit earlier, Scott. Is this Quite a nice point for from you know speaking to Liam Fox this week. He said Mark's now settled in the house. He's got his family over. This chance to take a breather, recover from this slight hamstring knock, and then come back. He's still got two years left in his contract. Is this little breather almost the, the best thing that could happen to Mark Birigiti after what was a, a, a tumultuous start to life in, in Tannadice? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, take the football side away. In a sense, it, it must have been very difficult for him yeah. to come over here uh, initially alone, be thrown in the deep end, lose you know handfuls of goals, and then you know I, I mean you don't want to think about how he was. He must have been pretty torn all over the place. But no, absolutely, I don't think it hurts mm. to remember people are human sometimes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but now that it was it was heartening to read that he's settled his wife. Uh, family has got I don't know if he's got kids or whatever but at least he's got kind of family over here now uh, yeah as you say I think it's just it would be nice for him to settle in taking the sights of Tayside <laughs> make it his home um, yeah I think he, he needs he needs that breather uh, mentally and physically as well to let himself heal but in a sense it's also it might also be good for for Dundee United to kind of figure out Ericsson's capabilities yeah. and now he's getting a run in the team um, and on the back of the last two results decent performances as well so um, hopefully good all round and then uh, uh, Mark Brigitte will come back fighting even hungrier to regain his place which again is only a good thing for the club Circling back to the under 21 uh, squad that we mentioned earlier um, and the show, Chris Mockery has also been called up to the, the 21s, which is a, a good feather in his cap. He's currently out on loan at Dunfermline and as well as been an, an expert in all things Scottish football, Craig, as, as particularly um, all over the, the Fife patch. So give us a really a nice little insight in terms of how uh, Chris has, has settled in at Dunfermline and whether he's making a, a positive impact. I know he scored in his debut against Edinburgh City, but, but how's, how's Chris getting on down there? He's made a few substitute appearances uh, since then. That, that, that was a substitute appearance uh, as well. He came yeah. off the bench. He's linked very well with Joe Chalmers in that game, not just for that goal, but uh, uh, for the spell that he was on the pitch. He then had to bide his time and make a few um, substitute appearances. And a couple of them were when they were sort of uh, ch not chasing the game, but chasing the victory. It came on 
both nil nil against Montrose and against Kelty, and they got three points and one and one point and the other one. And then he has he's made his way into the team eventually, and he even on the the, the substitute appearances he made, he he just added something to the Dunfermline midfield, which they they didn't have before. He, he, he's um, I mean they've got some good footballers there. I don't mean to say that, but just the 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 spaces that he takes the ball in and that he attacks and uh, and things like that they've got um they've got players that can play six and eight but they don't quite have somebody other than mockery who can play a, a little bit further forward um be it be it slightly wide though he tends to play narrow when he plays there or or, or uh in the center and he has also come in for a start at the time when they've switched to a back three mcpake's done this a few times within matches Again, the Montrose and Kelty matches, which uh, uh, it worked in one instance and not in the other, even though it, it, they got better in the against Kelty when he switched to that as well. And uh, so, yeah, he, he also was... A, I wrote something after watching the Dunfermline game, the most recent bat, uh, match back at the weekend there, the win away to Queen of the South. I wrote an article about... Um, the change in the midfield. So Mockery, he had started the game before, but he had started as one of the number eights. McPake has liked whether he's played a back four or a back three. He's liked to play two number eights with a six behind. And with a switch to the back three recently, he initially kept Hamilton as a six, but he's decided to, for this most recent match, drop him and go with Mockery more as a 10. And it, um, it, it really, really worked for them. He was, uh, he was very key to a lot of their attacking and be that... Um, be that linking with his teammates, be that being there for second balls at the edge of the box or just an extra man to press because James McPake knew that Queen of the South had just had a tough game at Ibrox in midweek, so he wanted to be at them right from the start. And Mockery's position allowed them to do that more effectively as well. So yeah, he's been there's been lots of interesting things to see even from those substitute appearances and the few starts that he's made so far. Fantastic. How's that for a scout report for your, for your Dundee United starlet? Magnificent. Here's stuff. me thinking I was rambling. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and uh, Scott, just, just finally on Dundee United, it is back to Tannadice um, this weekend. And to say the fans are owed a big performance would, would seem like something of a, an understatement. There was, of course, that um, what seemed at the time a magical night against AZ Alkmaar. We, we know things went off the rails, but it still was a, a great one-off night. But since then in the league... Played three, lost three, not scored a goal, conceded 13. It's, uh, the stats make tough reading and just need to give the fans something to shout about this weekend, don't they? Oh, they need to come out absolutely flying. Um, and as you say, just a goal. It would be something that United fans would be appreciative of. The definition of flying has really <laughs> plummeted at Dundee United these days. But, but after, I mean, Hibs is a tough game. They're kind of up and down themselves. But... In a sense, it is really a must-win game for United because then they're away at Ibrox uh, the following week, which, I mean, can't really see too much going that way. I but don't he, know, did you? Van yeah. is going full Jack Ross just at the moment <laughs> with some of the goals they're shipping. But he no. might not be manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. but no, I, I certainly take your point. But yeah, I think this weekend is a, at home to Hibs. I mean... Fingers crossed for a positive result because they certainly need some positivity around Tannadice. Yeah. Uh, not, not only with the fans, but amongst the players just to give them a lift and some uh, confidence just to you know, get them up and running. I just don't know what get 
getting from this Hibs team from week to week, so I'm not sure. I'd actually be more confident of a United win if Jack Ross was still manager. Great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that note of, of, of positivity, folks, we'll, we'll leave it there, but um, do tune in again next week. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetele.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>